Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When you think about the book of Revelation, how often do you associate it with love? Today, Pastor Jim is going to do just that. Almost exclusively, this book is referenced for the details related to the end times. But today, you will hear about the other side of this important book, the side that shows God's love for His children and warnings about what happens when their love is missing. Without love, there is no redemption story. Thank God for His unconditional love that you have been redeemed. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelation chapter 2 as he begins his message, Where is the Love? In the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, the risen king, the ascended king, the Lord Jesus Christ, speaks to various churches. Seven churches to be exact, seven the number of perfection in the Bible, but these are not perfect churches because they're filled with imperfect people. And interesting, that when you become a follower of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're glad that you're here with us today. When you become a follower of Jesus, you put your trust in Jesus, you are in God's eyes positionally perfect. But practically, we still have our shortcomings and we still sin. And so here, uh, Jesus is going to talk to these churches about where he feels they can improve, things they're doing well, things they're not doing so well. Bible scholars debate, are these letters or are these sermons? More so earlier on, they used to say they were letters. Now, most say that they were sermons or parts of sermons. Either way, they're part of a book for everybody to read. And I would say that they are similar to Old Testament prophetic messages that come from Jesus to the Apostle John than to us. It's almost like Jesus is going to be saying to us, take a look in the mirror, both individually and as a congregation, and ask yourselves this simple question, how are you doing? Now, you New Jersey natives, it's how you doing, right? Okay, but how are you doing at these things that I'm going to talk about? Why? Well, because if we're not careful, a follower of Jesus and a church can easily ignore the values of the word of God and take in the values of the culture without realizing that it's happening to us. And the threats to our faith and to our church often come from outside the church, but they also come from inside our own hearts, don't they? And then a lot of times we bring them into the church, we bring them to church with us. And here Jesus uses what Bible scholars call the call to hear formula, which we understand is that this message is not just for these seven churches, but it's for all churches throughout time. So right now the setting is this, the apostle John is old. He's the only apostle left. He's exiled on the island of Patmos. A lot of people think that's like this horrible, horrible place, like, you know, if you know what Alcatraz is or something like that. I'm just curious, any of you ever been to Alcatraz? Wow, a number of you, a number of you. Um, as a guest or as a tourist? <laughs> and so anyway, but, but I don't think it's that bad a place. It seems like just there are a lot of people kind of kind of went to. And Jesus basically says to these seven churches, you're kind of a mixed bag. And every church is going to be kind of a mixed bag. And some are okay, but some of them have become far too worldly. And clearly, we see in the affluent 
American church, and you may not think that we're affluent, just talk to people from other countries, they'll tell you how affluent we are. We're seeing right now a lot of stuff that really is not biblical. There is a lot of sexual immorality in the American church. Some of you sent me an article this week, a couple of you sent it to me, where people were talking about polyamory and being married to various, you know, more than one person, and is that okay in the church? And some churches are saying it's okay. So I thought I would just speak on that to eliminate some of my emails. Is it okay for you to be married to more than one person? Let me give you the short answer. No. Did you understand that? Okay, right, let me give you the long answer. No. <laughs> it is not okay at all. There's, so there's a lot of sexual immorality. There's a lot of compromise. There's a lot of false teaching. There is a lot of complacency. There's a lot of lack of generosity. And there's often a lack, of, we're going to really focus on today, a lack of love. And it may not be, you say, well, no, no, churches, we love one another, but... We can be really impersonal if we're not careful. We can come in late, we can leave early, we cannot care that much about for others. Now there's good too, and Jesus will be calling that stuff out. So he's not gonna just only call out the bad stuff in it, in these churches. And while most people identify or associate the book of Revelation with the end times and the great persecutions to come, I like to think of chapter two and three as for both an individual and a congregation as a diagnostic. Do you know what a diagnostic is? You go to a doctor, they say, we have to run some diagnostic tests. And so he's going to do some diagnostics on just not only these churches, but us as well. So the first stop is the closest one and the most influential of all the churches is the church in Ephesus. And so the title of our message today is, Where is the Love? Where is the love? Now, some of you have a lot of really bad old songs going through your mind right now. Come back. It's okay. Come back. And it's part of our series that we've entitled Christ Timeless Messages for His Church. So what's going on in Ephesus is essentially this. They are very faithful in their teaching. They're a very, very well-taught church. In fact, the church started out many years earlier with the Apostle Paul staying there for two years teaching them well, and they've been faithful in their endurance in the faith. They're hanging in there. The Roman government is not oppressing them out of existence, but something is missing. Something's not quite right. Now, we'd go there, and we'd go, oh, it was great, man. I went there, and the worship was great, and the, everything, all the systems were in order. They gave you free coffee, and the preaching was good, and every, well, maybe not here, but anyway, the preaching was good. So we really liked all that, but, but Jesus is like, no, there's, there's something that's just not right. Something's missing, and they need to repent of this, of failing to love God and people the way they once did. And that's what Jesus wants to talk to them about, and therefore, by extension, he wants to talk to us about it. Now, when you look at each one of these seven churches, the outline formula is actually pretty consistent, and it can be longer than some of the you know, verses, and you can make it rather detailed, but I want to use a simple outline with just five points. You're like, that's the simple outline? Yeah, that's the simple outline, because you could probably go up to seven, eight, or nine, and then I'm just going to lose you as it is. So number one, the Christ, the Christ. And he's going to talk about, he identifies it as Jesus. Now, this is Jesus speaking, chapter two, verse one. To the angel, let's stop right there. 
So most scholars would tell you that each church has an angel. All right, do you see our angel? I see my angel sitting in the back row, but, <laughs> right? But no, okay, so that each church has an angel. Now, some people think that the angel is the pastor. I know none of you think that here. <laughs> You're like, no, that's not, it couldn't be that one. So, uh, so the angel, each church ha has an angel of the church of Ephesus, write, so write this to the angel, write this to the people, these things says, now what is that? That's Old Testament terminology to introduce an inspired message from God. And then here we get the Christ, the names of Jesus. He, the Christ, who holds the seven stars. What are the seven stars? They are the churches in his right hand, very important terminology, who, the Christ, walks in the middle of the seven golden lampstands those are presumably the people in the church. So Jesus holds the church and he walks in the midst of us. So Jesus says he holds the church in his right hand. Now, the book of Revelation has a lot of Old Testament allusions to it and illustrations. The right hand of God is often, is often associated with the Lord's control and the Lord's power. So here we have right away Jesus declaring him to have the Lord's control and the Lord's power. And also interesting at the same time, back in Roman times, the coins would have seven stars on one side and you would flip them over. You know what would be on the other side? A picture of the emperor. And so the emperor making himself out to be God. Clearly, Jesus wants us to understand that the emperor is not God. Jesus is the only man with divine status because he is God become a man. Now, Ephesus is probably one of the four or five most important cities of the Roman Empire, an important city in the ancient world. Population, probably 200,000 people, 250,000. Not a big city, mid-sized city for America, but a very big city for back then. And Jesus says, in the midst of this large city, I am holding my church. The church is in my hand. I am protecting my church. Then Jesus says this, that he walks in the midst of the church. I mean, think about that for a second. Jesus knows everything that's going on He's walking up and down the aisles. He's inspecting. Do you think about that much? I think he stopped at that aisle over there. I'm not saying it says, but just think about that. That Jesus is walking throughout the church, seeing what's going on. Be honest about that. Have you given much thought to that? Have you given much thought to that? Have you given much thought to the weeks you're not here? That Jesus is like, hmm. I wonder who's missing. And so we think about that. Are you motivated by his grace and his presence to, to serve God's church? Or are you just kind of going through the motions? And we all kind of just go through the motions. I mean, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to me. When I started, we started the church here 18 years ago, first six months, every Sunday morning, get to preach, get to preach, right? And then this morning I wake up, I'm like, I wonder if John wants to preach another Sunday, <laughs> right? I mean, that's just the way it is for all of us. We can go through the motions. 
Church is just not that important to a lot of people who say that they're followers of Jesus, yet Jesus Christ died for the church, and Jesus is here walking amongst us today. Did you see him? Did you see him? You know he always sits in the far back corner here, right? You know that if you've been here long enough. And he's always looking at me going, on with it, boy, on with it, right? Let's go. Now, the fact that Jesus is amongst us, for some of us, that is very comforting. For some of us, that is very challenging. For some of us, that is very convicting. I mean, we don't really know what to make of that. So why does Jesus hold our church in his hand, and why does Jesus walk among us? I must have stared out my room for like a half hour, just uh, the window of my room, just at home, just like, like, why, why? And the only thing I can come up with, the only thing I can conclude is Jesus wants to bring all of us as individuals and as a church closer to him. So that's number one, the Christ. Number two, the commendation, the commendation. So first off, Jesus really starts them in what's going well in their church, it's not all f- problems here. In your Bible headings, it says the loveless church, and you're thinking, this is, this is not going to be good. But there's some really good stuff going on. I'm going to interrupt the verses because we read them through already. Verse 2 says, Jesus says, I know your works. Some versions says, I know your deeds, your labor, your patience. Some versions say your endurance or your perseverance, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You can't tolerate evil in your midst. You don't, you don't want any part of it. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You listened to them, you vetted them out, you said they were false. Every once in a while, a guy will show up here and go, a God called me to preach in your church this morning. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, he did. And I'm like, hmm, when he tells me, I'll put you up there. You know, one guy went outside the door and he's, wiped his feet from our church. And I was like, oh, thanks for using the mat. I appreciate it. (laughs) You got mud on your shoe. But yeah, so they got rid of the people who are liars or false prophets. Verse three, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored, some versions say endured hardship for my name's sake and have not become weary. So what he says here is very good. He says, you guys have sacrificed for the work of the Lord. Now, if you wonder, have you sacrificed for the work of the Lord? It is very easy to determine. All you need to do is you need to look at your schedule. You need to look at your budget. You need to look at how you do your job, how you are as a student. You need to look at your priorities. These are all things that reflect your faith. And so here we see with these people, some of them are doing well. Some of them are not, but some of them are doing well. Some of you are doing very, very well at this. And the word labor carries the idea of giving all you can to the faith. In other words, you approach every day with leaving nothing on the field, as we say in athletics. You're just gonna gonna get out there, you're gonna serve God, and especially when things are hard. Even when it gets hard, you are not gonna give up. You're gonna keep at it, you're gonna stay with it, you're you're gonna press on. And it says they persevered or they endured. In this sense, they would not give in to the culture. They would not give in to all the ideas. They would not give in to all the pressures. And they knew that nothing escaped God's eyes. They knew that nothing escaped Jesus' eyes. 
nor did they allow all the false teaching that's out there into their church. People would bring false teaching into the church and they would deal with it or they would talk to people about it. And the false and destructive leaders and liars, they had to go. They had to go. Now, short term, it's easier to just tolerate that kind of stuff, isn't it? But long term, you can do great damage to the church. And so what were they doing? Jesus was watching out for the church and they were watching out for the church, just as Jesus would have them to do it. Now, so this church would be what we would call orthodox. What does that mean? They were a theologically well-taught church, okay? This is something that I shoot for all the time, week in and week out, that this would be one of the best taught churches in the area. I wish more people were wanted to be that way, but a lot of the guys don't want to be that way. That's their thing. But, and they were a well-taught church, always serving the Lord. And then he says to them, you didn't even grow weary. You were staying at it. So we would say they were devoted to their faith. And loved ones, I have to tell you this, without your devotion, without my devotion, without the devotion of all of us, we will go nowhere as a church. We will be stuck in neutral or going backwards. We will not make a difference in this world. Now, this is high praise that Jesus is giving them. There's not many followers of Jesus like this. There's not many churches like this. Really, the Bible tells us that we are to bear with the weak, but not with the false. They seem to have the tension right. Not an easy thing to do. And so this is an awesome church, at least on the outside. But Jesus, who looks into our hearts, has number three, a complaint. He's got a complaint. He says this, verse four, nevertheless, I have or I hold this against you. Let's just stop right there. He says, you're doing some stuff really good, but I got something against you. And he kind of zings them. And basically, he says to them, this is what I see. As I walk through your church, as I walk around your church in Ephesus, this is what I see. Well taught. Serving well. People would come and they would think, this place has it together. But let me tell you that I see something that is unseen. This is what I see. Or actually, maybe let me put it to you this way, this is what I don't see. So he says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Another version says, you have abandoned the love you had at first. At the end of the day, no matter what you and I say about our church, what matters is what? What Jesus says about our church. That's what matters. And here he asks, with all the learning that you're doing, and that is very important, we must love within the context of the word of God. But his question is this, how do we love God? And how do we love people? That's the question. That's what he's looking at. That's what he's doing. In other words, all the Bible teaching, is it having an effect on your heart? I know it's having an effect on your brain, but is it having an effect on your heart? Their hands are busy. They are about the work of the ministry. Their heads are full of knowledge. 
They know a lot of Bible. Their wallets are open. They're willing to share with others. All these things are necessary. But Jesus says, this is the problem. I don't see a lot of heart. I don't see a lot of love. I see something that's just missing. Now, to grow a church years ago, this is what they used to tell you to do. When you're a pastor, you get all this stuff in the mail. It's ridiculous. It's like, what do they even bother me for? They would tell you, you want to grow a church, you have to have lots of events and lots of activities. You got to keep the people busy. If you keep the people busy, they'll keep coming back. Okay. Then now it says, and then, then they said, you got to preach to their felt needs. So I got to keep you busy, keep you coming back, keep full of activities, and preach about you. Does that sound like church? That doesn't sound like church to me at all. Now, they say, what you have to do is you have to provide the experience. The experience. Or you just got to preach about politics. Okay? So that's what you got to do now to grow a church. So if that's what you're looking for, I'm be honest with you, you're in the wrong place. And I don't mean that to be a jerk. You're like, well, you are a jerk, Pastor Jim. I know I'm a jerk, but that's not what I'm trying to do. Okay? Because that's not what we are about. That's not what we are about. More busy church stuff without being motivated by the grace of God, without being motivated by the love of God because of the love that Jesus has towards us. When we respond to the love that Jesus has towards us, what will our response be? To start loving others because of Jesus' love. And it's less often apparent in a lot of places than we'd like it to be. Now, people debate, is this the love for Jesus or for the people of God? Now, maybe it's me, but I don't even understand how you separate them. I know most people, you know, it changes over time what people think, but our theme verses for our community groups are John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, Jesus said this at the Last Supper. He'd been traveling with the apostles. They were always fighting with each other. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Him, <laughs> right? Like, like the greatest was walking with you when you think it's one of you guys. So I don't know how you separate them. Jesus says, listen, if you want people to know if you're really my followers... They're just going to watch how you are with each other. That's going to tell them. 1 John 4, 20 through 21. If someone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he is a liar. Hmm, what does that mean? Any of you find that difficult to understand? No. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him. Here it is, that he who loves God must love his brother also. You know what we've done in America? We have jobbed that responsibility out to the clergy. The, cler the pastor, the clergy, the priests, the nuns, the rabbis, they're all supposed to love everybody. We just do our thing. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. A church full of loving people will make such an impact on the world, that you're just welcoming people. 
You know, we talk about being a welcoming or a friendly church. Yeah, we can, be, we can be friendly with each other, but how are we with people we don't know? How are we with people that we know we've seen them in church for years and we've never actually even spoken to them? Very important things to think about. And this is not always the easiest balance for church to maintain. In verse two, what did he say? He praised them for not tolerating wickedness. But then we also have to be loving. You see, this explains the problem that we have in a lot of churches today is that if you don't hold the Lord and his word high, you will be much too tolerant. Anything will go. Anything will go. You want to have four wives? Fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't want that to be a clip. Don't put that on TikTok or something like that. <laughs> I won't be your pastor much longer, right? But that's what happens is you just become too tolerant. But the other side of the coin is this. If you're too stringent, you will look at everybody suspiciously. And then what happens? You become loveless. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.